Listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your tech and host for today, and joining me in the studio is Luca. Yeah, I'm Luca. I'm half German, half Turkish, but I hold a German passport. Good to hear. And you're also a student in the UM, right? Yes, at FASOS. I study arts and culture in the second year. Perfect. And Sophia? I'm Sophia. I'm also from Germany but also from Malawi, but at the moment I only hold a German passport. So yeah, not so diverse in passports here today. <laughs> cool, cool, but, cool, uh, cool. Yeah, I also study at FASAS actually, um, but global studies. And I'm also in my second year. Right, 
so yeah i think i think our audience are already getting a uh, getting a whiff of what today's topic might be about it is it is indeed about this uh, this ubiquitous book or whatever you want to call it uh the passport we all have we all have one maybe two i i also got a dutch passport and an indian overseas citizen i'll tell the tell the story later but um but yeah so today that is that is the topic of today um the song you listened to by the way was uh, the song called lopato de zonkom which means walking till the sun comes by akdan munik it's um, a dutch song a dutch band really nice band from the song was from their debut album in 1997 by the same name akdan munik and yeah it is i think it is a um, it could be a reason for traveling like breaking up it's, it's a song about a heartbroken person you know sort of uh, saying that okay need to move on and need to keep keep moving um maybe in a more um metaphysical sense um but we are going to talk about um talk about this this insane topic called passport i call it insane because you know like it's hard to get once you get it's hard to keep once you keep it's hard to lose once you lose it's a pain um uh, it's supposed to let you travel it's also it also but it, it's also the document that makes it makes delays during travels it it could prevent you from traveling it's it's an idea so so prolific that it's you know i i know that dogs have it so yeah um, and i also understand that you 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 recently had a um, had a course in the uni about the power of the passport exactly i just finished my paper on friday <laughs> about good. yeah the power of my german passport and i really found out that it's quite powerful <laughs> all right all right so what do you mean by the power of the passport i would say first of all what comes to my mind is like freedom of travel so i mean the german passport is like the second strongest so you can travel visa free or visa on arrival to 190 countries so that's quite a lot and i think only south korea and japan are like have 192 destinations so yes yes okay interesting interesting okay i mean of course you, you can of course only travel if you have money as well Uh, the, but there are people, politicians don't mention that exclusively they just say yeah once you have the passport you can go anywhere you want but that's not necessarily true uh, you start to buy the ticket and stuff um <laughs> so I, mean, i don't know for me that that narrative is kind of important but before we go into into all the all the nitty gritty details i i can i can maybe mention a funny incident that happened last year when i was traveling haha uh-huh. i actually did that um legally <laughs> the Uh, so during the when i was coming back into the netherlands um there was like a yeah, passport check and you know normally there is the there is the computer that does your uh, passport scan and face uh, recognition except this time there was a human being doing that and the girl looked at me holding my passport looking at my face and i was like are you trying to emulate a computer to do face recognition and she just asked me to go she said oh, i didn't ask her that but i just felt a bit uh, a bit awkward I don't know is this uh <laughs> is this still happening I thought I thought like like you had this whole whole deal about like passport free travel and all that but of of course it's not as Yeah I think with covid like it changed a bit you know like there are more passports con- passport controlled like foreign borders even within the EU so Yeah, there's a lot that changed like in the history but I think we're going to talk about that later as well. I think so. I think so. And I think it it might just be time to uh and to go to the next song which is uh which is called I'll try to pronounce it correctly uh, Sastan Sastanakam by a band called Tinariven I'll tell a little more about the band later but first you'll enjoy this song
Listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Shyam, your host in tech for tonight, and joining me in the studio is Sophia. Hello, hello. And Luca. Hello, hello. So glad you're here, and we're talking about the topic of passports today. By the way, before we jump into the topic, the song we just listened to is called uh, Sastanakam by a band called Dinariven. This is a, a Tamashk, not Tamashek. Tuareg Desert Blues Band from Mali. They formed in the late 70s in Algeria and moved to Mali between 1999 and 1995 when they had a peace deal with the, with the Tuareg tribes. But indeed, um, <laughs> coming back to the, to the topic of travel and passports, 
Did you did you did you know when was the first uh, a bit of the history of passports? Like from what I read on Wikipedia, it was like 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 the Brits who came up with the with this idea. But actually, even before that, there was one king somewhere in the Middle East who gave somebody a piece of paper saying, "Grant this person access to travel on your land." Apparently, <laughs> I, I I don't I haven't verified that, but this is what I read on Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, I think historically, like it really became significant in like 1920. When like the League of Nations or like international corporations started with passports, um, like on an international level, and at this point, I think that's an, just an interesting fun fact. But the International Agency of Aviation is actually responsible for passports, which is like so they are very much connected to air travel. So like by plane. Huh, it's nothing to do with shipping. Of course, shipping existed like centuries before. Uh 1920s yeah. but they're at least like on the united nations level responsible for that so like aviation but otherwise like how what i know from the history of passports like, is like kind of the history of colonized and colonizers so basically that like colonizing countries kind of invented passports to separate their own population from the ones that they colonized so to make it like a privilege so that's also a difference between nationality and citizenship hmm oh, i didn't know that Good, good to hear. Good, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, kind of makes sense. And now, now pretty much every country has a passport. In fact, if you don't have a passport, you're probably not a country. Exactly, and even like a biometric passport, that's even more important because of the data that you generate. That it's like generalized. Well, yeah, I mean they've got to sell something, right? <laughs> in, in this case, it's probably data and a physical passport. I mean, we'll come to that uh, <laughs> later in the show because uh, the other day I, I did, I did try to look up. Um, like the companies that actually make these identity cards. But speaking about identity, like we've we've met people, we've met, I've met you, you've met me. We never asked for proof, right? So on an on an individual level, somehow I've never felt the need for someone to have an I I, I just tend to believe when someone says their name. I mean, whatever name they say, I don't care. I'm, you can make up whatever you want, and I just roll with it. So yeah, so somehow like. On, on an individual level, like the the need is really, really, really diminished to to say the least. Whereas on a societal slash national level or bigger scale, it becomes super important. It's like, oh no, I got a passport to travel and this and that. So yeah, I'm, I'm wondering how did how did this uh, this ever happen? You know, like and a lot of people without passports. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's also like a difference between like whether you identify with your passports or whether you value it as like something special or whether it's just a paper for you and just like a technicality or like a product with which you could get somewhere. What do you think? Well, I think there's also for especially the governments, there's two aspects. There's the pass and identification aspect, but there's also the record aspect where it keeps mm. track of everywhere you've been. And I, for example, in my passport, there's stamps of countries like Lebanon, uh, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, and I'm fairly certain that if I would travel to the United States or Israel for that matter, mm. I would probably be pulled out and ask a lot of questions. And why have you been to these countries? And I also know there's also a permanent flight record exists as well that they can look into and your flights of the last uh, 10 years are also on some server somewhere. But I think that's the other aspect is that people also want to track you, know where you have been. Interesting, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Fun fact, actually, like with the German passport, you can even get a second passport for like such technicalities so that you can like travel to the US even though you've been in like areas that the US doesn't really want you to be in. So that's another big privilege, I would say. Hmm, that's interesting. 
Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many things coming to mind, you know. Like I, I understand in a way from a health and safety point, but I also wonder, right? Like because now with the introduction of this COVID passport, a sort of a health pass to to travel, uh, I'm, yeah, okay. This debate is probably no longer very big, but there were definitely protests, and I was wondering if there were ever protests for national identity cards and national passports. I think there were a lot of protests like for nationality cards if you just think of like colonialism and decolonizing movements so that people like kind of didn't want this differentiation of citizenship and nationality and anymore or wanted their own nationality so their own passport that is like not a british one or not a french one so i think that there were quite a bit of like movements that you won't like directly classify as like passport movements but that are definitely connected to nationality Or, 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 or the sense of uh, formal identity, because this is something new in India, because they wanted to introduce national ID cards, like a physical one. There is already like, a, you get a number, which is just a digital one. And I think the Supreme Court stopped it or something. I, I wasn't following very deeply. But and one of the arguments was that, guys, this is a pretty simple business opportunity for some big American company to print a billion cards. Um, <laughs> I mean, there is no particular reason for, say, a farmer in the middle of the country to own an ID card. Like, people in the village know who the person is. So, yeah, somehow I also feel that this is not really a need, but more like um, a need that has been created for for whatever reason. Instead of hitting on the reason or solving that problem, we just create, like, a weird solution to it. <laughs> but I guess the main, like, kind of reason is that we have borders that we have to cross. So kind of not only for identification, but like earlier when like humans were not that mobile and didn't travel as much as we do today with like airplane, just going to the other end of the world. But beforehand, like we were rather living in like small communities and like in a village or like at least in my hometown, everybody knows each other. Like I don't even need my second name. Like everyone knows that I'm Sophia. And that's like pretty easy to like recognize people and to identify them. But if you like go somewhere else where you're like a stranger, then I think there's a good reason why you have to identify yourself. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think it's also just about, um, uh, there's so much power that comes from it. There's also, I think, very interesting passports uh, of nations that are only barely recognized. True. Right. For example, I met a guy from Taiwan once or the Republic of China as it says on the passport, doesn't say Taiwan. And he told me he went to Armenia. Now, Armenia does not recognize the country of Taiwan. or However, they let him in only because they couldn't tell that the Republic of China is not the same as the People's <laughs> Republic of China. And the border people didn't know. Um, yeah, but I think um, it's also, I think you can also buy passports, for example. Uh, there's many, especially Caribbean island nations, like I think the uh, Cayman Islands, They actually offer people, if they invest so, certain amounts of cash, they can hand out passports as well. So, mm -hmm. And also there's all these like uh, marriage traits. I think for them, if you marry an American person, uh, before you can even apply for the citizenship, you have to like prove for like, I think like 18 months that you live with this person, they will actually come and check on you if you're, not, if you're actually living together and if you're not just doing it for the passport. That is such a creepy job. Because there is a, yeah, but there is a trade, there's a lot of value and people exchange a lot of money to get passports. True. I also like what you mentioned earlier about what if you don't, you don't agree with the identity? 
that's been what if you don't how did you say how do what if you don't identify with the passport you have right like i don't identify with the passport i have in fact something totally weird happened on my passport is that in my indian passport i don't have a surname the surname field is just blank like my family doesn't have a surname it's just like first name and that's pretty much it and, um and for for surname we just used like my dad's first name or something for official papers but when i got the dutch passport i had a surname and i was like holy shit this is like a whole new culture now um so yeah so what do you do if you don't identify with it because this is not like a human created problem it's more like a computer problem right it's clearly obviously because you can't leave that field blank that's it that's pretty much the only reason why i had to put a surname in there um but yeah and i also sometimes wonder right like you mentioned about like passports being a record like that's cool but why don't they have like it would be nice if i have a passport i also get like a massive a uh, data data set or a place to store my data so i can put all my records in there like my photos my holiday photos <laughs> you know my contacts <laughs> my videos why just my my visa stamps you know that's like the least I mean, that's already a lot of information you know state <laughs> 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 can't be there for everything <laughs> <laughs> well i guess you would like to keep that private usually right i mean unless you want to share it but um Oh yeah, but poof. Uh, it's, it's it's already on Google Drive, so I I don't know who's looking at it. Yeah. But hey, feel free. <laughs> I I can also say that I don't really look at my photos a lot. Neither do I look at my visas for that matter. But uh, like what about passport photos? Are you happy with your passport photos? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's always such a big issue if you like sit somewhere in the bar and then someone like has to pull out their passport because like of the legal age of drinking or whatever. And then you look at the picture and it's like so crazy how different people look in those pictures. True, you're not allowed to smile. Yeah. yeah. Who came up with that rule? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I have like a little smirk on mine. But for example, when I got my India visa, I got this big India visa which kind of looks like a passport page of its own with a photo, and I specifically shaved my whole face with the mustache because I just wanted to have a photo with the mustache and this passport because I thought it would be funny. Um and I actually I, I personally really like these big sticker visas. And I specifically went to the embassy, not got one online because I just like collecting these visas and I love going through the pages and having all these little stamps, different stamps and stickers in there. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I I I also have a lot of those and a lot of uh, indeed a lot of stories about trying to get visas. I also sometimes feel that tra- traveling with a visa within Europe was was okay compared to what happened when Poland joined the EU because they didn't know what an EU residence permit looked like. They only had a photo on their computer and they were matching it with it and indeed like it was um it was a strange experience to say the least. It's like you don't know what it looks like. I could just walk in with my driver's license. I don't know. But yeah, they had a, they had a photo of what it's supposed to be. And there were so many questions, um, but I won't go into those details. I think um shall we uh, shall we take a little pause? Uh the next song is by um is by Björk. It's called uh, Wanderlust. So enjoy. I am leaving this harbor.
Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Sham, your host and tech for tonight. And in the studio with me is Sophia. Hello, hello. And Luca. Hello again. Thank you very much for joining to this episode on Passport. The song you just heard uh, is called Wanderlust by, by Bjork from her sixth studio album, Volta, released in 2007. What she said she she is quoted saying that the song is about the state of looking for something and almost knowing you'll never find it uh, that's bjork <laughs> beautiful as always and yeah so yeah we, we we were talking about the the um again i don't know how to call this the passport i think that's that's universal enough people everyone know what the main sign guessing yeah just um, passports i guess yeah exactly exactly in fact um a few years ago, I think, during the the Israel Israel Gaza conflict, there was a a little protest in Maastricht, which I thought was uh, was quite interesting because it was a protest on the old bridge, and there were there were a bunch of people who were asking people to show their passports and ID cards to cross the bridge. Uh, not really. It's not like they were not going to let them pass. It's just um, 
sort of a, a street play to to make people understand how this kind of an id control works because a lot of these controls happen really far from the eyes of the common the common citizen the common person it happens in like enclosed securized areas in airports and seaports and train train stations um and indeed like it's it's so obscure and it becomes a reality only when you have to go through it and even then mostly it's fine so what i'm trying to say is that a lot of the um the the issues because of having this kind of an id is sort of swept away from the um from the public um public view even though the public could experience it themselves so yeah this is this is something i find uh interesting and also maybe good to mention at this point a sh- short disclaimer that everything we mention here are our opinions and of course some people here have a uh, bit more knowledge about passports because you study uh, study this this fantastic topic uh, am i saying it correct it's not you don't study passports you study uh, social sciences or yeah uh, i'm studying global studies but like we sp- specifically f- like kind of focused on migration citizenship this year so technically like for the last couple of weeks i studied passports but in general i'm just studying migration citizenship at the moment Fantastic. I'm so glad you're here Sophia and Luca as well from uh from the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences. Yeah, um well we don't really talk a lot but we talked a lot about multiculturalism in our last period and about in, uh, immigration and integration. Um but also I just tr- happened to travel a lot especially in my years between uh, high school and university. Um and I actually I mean I I I really that's when I realized the privilege that I have, you know, having the German passport. Um I never got the Turkish passport because if I would attain the Turkish citizenship I would also uh have to uh, commit to a Turkish military service. <laughs> However, I thought about getting it because it would it's very easy to get a uh, to get into Russia and also Iran without a visa. So these were the two points where I was like oh, I would actually be kind of cool to get a Turkish passport but I never got because I'm mm. not ready to do military <laughs> service in Turkey. <laughs> yeah. How okay. long would the military service be? Oh, it's like uh it's like six months or something. I think oh, wow. you can also not do it and pay a huge fee. But then I'm also like I could also just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dual citizenship in general is really interesting. Like people not only have sometimes two passports but like even more passports. So that's right. kind of a common thing. Right. It's becoming more and more common or maybe I'm just meeting more people who have multiple nationalities. Yeah, it actually depends on like also whether like after which system like a country grants a passport. So there are like two systems, so Jus Sanguinis and Jus Soli. So either Jus Sanguinis is like by blood, so like you just like kind of inherited from your parents and Jus Soli is just by earth, so whether you were born in that country or not. How do you say that? Jus Soli and Jus Sanguinis. <laughs> Is that Latin? It's Latin, yes. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And the Netherlands, like I think for dual citizenship is really interesting because they just don't allow it. Like you can only get dual citizenship in the Netherlands if you just like can't renounce your other passports. So for example, Morocco, you can't like renounce Iran. your passport. Also Iran, like where yeah. you kind of are binded to that nationality forever. <laughs> yeah, that's also interesting that in that case it's not a choice. Pretty much if you're born then you're then this is it. Yeah. But no, it's still really interesting like dual citizenship law in the Netherlands that they just don't allow it <laughs> even though they are quite an immigration country. True. Well, well, I think 
I think India has has got got an interesting view on this. So I think I mentioned this in our one of our older episodes when we talked about inburgering, so citizenship tests. I don't know if I mentioned it then, but I will mention it now. Is that so? To get an Indian passport, it is is the same process as anywhere else. But when I got my Dutch passport, I had to renounce my Indian passport, and somehow this was not a stipulation from, from the Dutch government. It was the Indian government who had this law, and they said, "Oh, you can renounce it, no problem, and you can get something called as a Indian overseas citizen." What they didn't say is that giving up the passport costs money. and getting the card also costs money and i was like hey wait a minute this is just becoming a business deal now you're just calling the same document by different names pretty much and okay i i cannot so if i if i get that card i cannot say work in the army for example there are some restrictions uh, which is yeah i think it's fine uh, <laughs> yeah but here also the questions is like why should you renounce your passport like which reasons are there for it some interesting fun facts the only two countries who tax their citizens outside of their nation are Eritrea and the United States so mm. a lot of united states citizens actually renounce their passports so that they don't have to pay taxes or like do their taxes abroad so that's really an interesting fact and the government reacted to it of course it was just like raising the fee which you have to pay to renounce your passport so it's like now over 2000 euro to renounce your american citizenship huh interesting i was i was just looking up like i i was just curious about who would be the who who would be a person with like the largest number of citizenship do you want any guesses the largest of citizenship yeah like someone with like i know a lot of citizenship but like diplomats probably always have like a, could, could have a lot of passports i think cuz there's also diplomat passports which is a whole nother um but level. i think diplomats actually can only like For example, in some countries it is that if you have a diplomatic passport and you work in another country, then you can't have the passport of that ah, country. Yeah, so, yeah. I think you're still restricted then. True. True. I was wondering about about royalty. Uh if say the Queen of England, I mean, she's probably the citizen oh. of of all Commonwealth countries. <laughs> yeah, in a way. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> well, then again, she does have her face on their money as well. Um, yeah, on some <laughs> some, some currencies. <laughs> Yeah, the passport and uh, the whole topic is really is really But who is now the person with the most like citizenships? I don't know, it's hard to say. It's just it's just an interesting question yeah, I thought. Yeah, true. Um, it's probably the, the the person that has that probably is not open about it. Yeah, true. it's probably violating it. some international laws when they Oh yeah. do that. But yeah. I think it's also there's always the question of loyalty and this whole question of should you be allowed to vote for a country if you don't even live in it? But at the other time at the, I mean you're in it still affects you where you are a citizen. So whatever pol- policies are in place in this country do affect you in a way, but then there is this big question which was especially present in Germany, where with German Turkish people, and a lot of them tend to vote for Erdogan for some reason because they tend to be a little more conservative than a lot of Turkish people in Turkey for some reason. But there's a question about should these people even be allowed if they only live in Germany, they make their money, they pay their taxes, and only go to to Turkey on holidays. should they be allowed to have a say on turkish politics if they're not really affected by it um yeah and a lot of turkish people told me that that they're angry on these german turkish people who hmm. get involved in t- turkish politics uh, i think what's happened there is that the german turkish population don't know much else other than erdogan and that could be one thing and and the other thing is to counter that is that i met somebody in india who who had adopted belgian parents 
And he had to vote for Belgian elections. And he's like, what am I doing sitting 6,000 miles, 3,000 miles away? I need to take a train for three hours to cast a vote for a country that is that I don't even live in. Yeah, but like, that's like, I think Belgium and Luxembourg could just like make voting mandatory. So if you have the passport, then you have to vote. Otherwise, you have to pay. Yeah. So yeah. people just go to vote. That's <laughs> why like so many people vote there. But like... <laughs> not still i don't know whether it's democratic or not i don't want to judge that but. it's hard to say it's really hard to say i mean even in the netherlands i mean we have a sort of democracy and then there's also the king and queen so like this royalty as well and then there's the eu government i mean i think belgium has like six layers of government somehow yeah belgium is complicated politically <laughs> oh not just politically even driving there is complicated <laughs> no belgium bashing here <laughs> <laughs> every time <laughs> Every single time. No, that that, <laughs> that that that's 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 an easy topic. Uh, okay, but uh, I think uh, before we go into the into the next section, uh, shall we uh, shall we play shall we play the passenger by Iggy Pop? Drive! 
things from under glass He looks through his window inside He sees the things he knows are his He sees a bright and hollow sky He sees the city sleep at night He sees the stars are out tonight was Iggy Pop and his song, his hit song, The Passenger, from his 1977 album, The Lust for Life, released also as a single in 1998. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RTV 107.5 FM. My name is Shyam, your host in tech. And with me in the studio is Luca. Hello. And Sophia. Hey. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining tonight with, with our lovely episode on, uh, on on passports. Well, the reason I played that song, not only because I like the song, but... So, I was a passenger once traveling uh, with my, my, my partner at the time from Belgium to France. It's n- nothing big, just crossing the border. So, from the south of Belgium, somewhere in Courtreich to, um, to the north of France in, in Lille. So, it is like not even like a 40-minute ride, 20, 20 to 40 minutes ride. So it was night time and we were stopped by the police. Um, whatever, they had to check something. Sure, maybe, um, I know you can't check for passports within EU, but I think they were checking for driver's license or whatever. Um, the thing is, here's what happened, right? I showed my passport, my ID, my partner showed her passport and ID, and then she showed their dog's passport. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. This happened, this really happened. I was like, wow, really? Same level, four legs, two legs. I don't know, I thought we've, we've been through this and the dog's got a passport now. No, I think it's like for um, diseases, like to not carry disease. That's a serious answer, but it's a bit like interesting. <laughs> it just, it was just a weird feeling. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, and also, yeah, true. Yeah, we, we also have like this kind of uh, vaccine documents. I, I've never been asked for it during travels. Um, Although it depends where you're traveling from and where you're going to. And to me, it's yeah more of a personal medical record than, uh, than a travel document. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> is this, is this um, I, I, I really wonder how, how, how big is this, this animal passport? Is it like global or do, do, is this even covered in say studies about passports and IDs? Cause <laughs> I think in the EU it's quite common to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, cause like I know the passport of our dog and I think you just get it from your vet automatically because they give it, give them the shots, the basic shots, and then they give you this passport. And it's like an EU passport, but there's no photo, for example. Oh, I was it wondering. Like the name, I think there's like, there's like, there's like the weight and like maybe the race and like Yeah, and size, also the color. The color, but it's not really, I mean, 
it's not as it's not um, an identity. sophisticated as like an actual password, but like the watermark and everything. So it's just it's just uh, basically yeah. yellow paper. So uh, yeah, not that. Yeah, and and no non-smiling face of dogs on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can yeah, because I would imagine that's really know. tricky to tell a dog not to smile because uh, they it's open their mouth, they're they're yeah, hungry, like yeah. they don't stop. <laughs> oh, unbelievable! <laughs> Crazy story. <laughs> So yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's pretty much um, yeah my my experience, my my odd experiences with this kind of a document book uh, ID concept. I don't know what to call it. Yeah, uh, like I still have one question, like just off topic, like note about animal passports. But like, how often do you have to show your passport? Like, how often are you controlled? You mean within the EU? In general, like just when you travel in the EU, but also like abroad. I think only at airports. Yeah, probably only at airports. When I was like traveling in other countries, I never had my passport with me. Usually, I always kept it in like the hotel or like hostel or whatever I, w I was staying in, hmm. and I just had like like an ID card or something. Oh wow! Yeah. I I also read somewhere. So when I was preparing for this topic, the the people in the seventies would leave their passport at the embassy. So if like a European goes to Thailand or India. They would leave their passport at their embassy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I, 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 honestly, I've never thought about doing that ever. Like, I wouldn't go to the embassy. I, I didn't even know you could just visit the embassy. I thought you needed an appointment. But okay, I guess uh, you yeah, could. Why not? Like, just yeah. city tour visiting embassies just for mm. fun, you know? <laughs> True. I, I would even leave my bags there or my dirty shoes or something. Yeah, <laughs> keep it there. I don't know what embassies are for. And I think that now, I mean, at least I know with the German passport, even if you lose it or if it gets stolen, you can go to the embassy and the same day they make you this like uh, provisionary passport. Oh, yeah. That's like cool. valid for like a month and so you can still leave the country. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah. Otherwise you get stuck and uh, there could be like legal troubles and so on. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also think, if I, if I remember correctly, India still doesn't have uh, biometric. Now I'm beginning to wonder if this is a deliberate choice um, because of data and privacy and stuff like that. Yeah, but I think also like in many countries, it's just not enforced yet, like biometric data to have that under a passport because it's just like bureaucratically really complicated to let all of your citizens come make biometric like pictures and like get the data and like the fingerprints and all of that because like it's just really a huge effort especially like india is like not a small country <laughs> true, <laughs> can't just true. do that That's because a lot of data. like i know like from my dad's side like his malawian passport also just changed to like being biometric and it was a huge effort like because mm. literally nobody had a passport so everyone had to like prove that they're malawian <laughs> so that was a big big issue <laughs> and i also <laughs> went through that procedure so i'm actually like right now applying for that passport to like get dual citizenship and i basically just drove for hours and hours through like really bad streets <laughs> to like get to the traditional authority which will grant me a certificate with like a stamp that I'm officially like from that village. <laughs> wow. So it was a big adventure. Like went to a lot of chiefs and traditional people. So yeah, it was an, an adventure. <laughs> good, good, good. You got lucky because I, I would never believe you're from Malawi. I would never be like, ah, you cannot be like, ah. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> no, no I also didn't get it because of like the, the stupid like person, like the official 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was not stupid. He was just <laughs> not wanting to give it to me because, like, in Malawi, it's, like, really weird because, like, you can have dual citizenship as a minor if you're, like, under 22, which I am. <laughs> but, yeah, technically, he didn't really believe me. So he was, like, <laughs> yeah, you can't get it. And, like, that's also, I think, the power sometimes of passports is, like, also the people behind it. So officials at, like, embassies or, like, at immigration offices. So that's, like, I think also really important. It's not just the paper. I know. I mean, it's, I'm glad you mentioned that, right? Like, the power of the passport. Like, it's an interesting narrative, but I sometimes feel, yeah, does, does the passport have the power or does the passport issuing person has the power? Like, in this case, clearly, uh, that guy had some, uh, a little, little bit of a power trip. Yeah, also same with American visa, like, going through interview processes just to get to the U.S., <laughs> True, true. Yeah. Shall we take a quick break? Yeah, of yeah. course. And, sure. Yeah, listen to an awesome song called Mobility, now that we're talking about mobility, by the band The Serious Beans Project. Enjoy. Driven by fake needs Technological culture of indivisible greed And we're conforming to a senseless life of metaphors Yes, we are camel lost in a desert of semaphores And at the end of the day, you know, our only effort was to be born, my friend Flowing through this way, our mobility starts when their mobility ends
was the Serious Beans Project, a band that pretty much launched uh, from Maastricht a few years ago. Really good band and they can get the crowd moving. You're listening to Student Radio Maastricht on RT 107.5 FM. We are almost towards the end of our show on Passports. So thank you very much, uh, Sophia. Thank you for inviting me. It was really so, interesting so to have that talk in. with you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me join spontaneously. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. This is how it goes on SRM. <laughs> and yeah, before we go, a short, um, a short shout out on the, on the cultural agenda side. So this weekend on Saturday, the 5th of February at 3 p.m., there is a protest organized by Free Palestine Maastricht um, Group or, um, yeah, at the, at the Stations Plain. And there is another very interesting little training session going on at the Land Bau Belang. So this is the LBB, the big building next to the river. It's called a direct action training on the 3rd of February, so tomorrow at 7 p.m. It's organized by some people from the Sterrenbosch uh, protests. At the LBB, they, will, they have an info point going on tonight and also tomorrow. And the general aim of the... Um, protest uh, for the training is about um, knowing your rights when you're doing um, a protest thank you so much for listening and hope you, <laughs> hope, you, hope you join us next Wednesday at the same time so <laughs> bye bye